You're listening to a Southside Baptist Church podcast with our pastor, Dr. Jeff Parker. For more audio content, please refer to our website at ssbaptistchurch.com. Amen. While you are still standing, um, first of all, good morning. I know I've been up here, but I didn't get a chance to really say good morning, everybody, like I thought I did. But um, if you would, while you're still standing, if you would, turn to the book of Mark. Mark chapter 4. Once again, that is Mark chapter 4. Um, for those of you who've been with us, you know that we're, um, we've been going through a study in the book of Mark. Um, you know, last week we kicked time of, we kicked time of a break because we, we were doing our back to school Sunday. And we're thankful for all the things that Malcolm talked about and talk about the prize worth winning. So we're thankful for him being here last week to share that message. But um, this, once again, Mark chapter 4. And then we're going to continue. Um, Brother Jeff has already looked at Mark um, chapter 4, um, basically from 1 to 20 to 20 or 24. And we're going to go ahead and we're going to move on to Mark chapter 4, verses, starting at verse 26. So if you have it, say amen. All right. Well, here's, here's what the Word of God says. Once again, Mark chapter 4, verse 20, starting at verse 26. It says this, and, and he was saying, meaning Jesus, the kingdom of God is like a man who casts seed upon the soil, and he goes to bed at night, and he gets up by day, and the seed sprouts and grows, and, and, and how? He himself does not know. The soil produces crops by itself, first the blade, then the head. Then the mature grain in the head. But the crop permits, he, I mean, but when the crop permits, he immediately puts in the sickle because the harvest has come. And he said in verse 30, How shall we picture the kingdom of God? Or by what parable shall we present it? It is like a mustard seed, which, when sown in, upon the soil, though it's smaller than any other seeds that are upon the soil, Yet when it is sown, it grows up and becomes larger than all the garden plants and forms large branches so that the birds of the air can rest um, under its shade. And with many such parables, he was speaking the word to them. So as far as they were able to hear it, and he did not, I mean, he did not speak to them without a parable, but he was explaining everything privately in his own, to his own disciples. Amen. Let's pray. Dear Lord, bless the reading and the hearing of your word. God, be with us right now, God, as we, di- as we dive deep into your word and we talk about spiritual growth and spiritual maturity. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You may be seated. You know, one of the things that I enjoy more than anything, you know, is, is being a parent. Um, being a parent is not always the easiest job in the world. I'm sure somebody would say amen to that. Amen. Amen. But one of the things that I have this problem with right now, and I know that you guys are probably saying, oh, it gets worse from here. But um, but one of the things I have a hard time with is watching my child grow up. You know, you know, like I only have a two year old and a five year old. But right now I can I just picture them no matter when I see them. I always picture my children at the first moment of birth. I don't know why, but even when I look at them, even now, I can just go back and I can just see them in the first picture I took or the most meaningful moment that I share with them at the beginning of their birth or at least somewhere along. Well, to, to, to that matter, I have a picture right over my um, dresser, on my dresser mirror, like when I get dressed in the morning, I look in that mirror, and right as I'm looking in that mirror, I have a picture of, of, my, of my firstborn, Abby, right in the corner of the mirror. And when I see it, 
all I see is her cute little cheeks and her pouty little face. And it's like me holding her like over my shoulder. It's her cute. If you can just imagine with me right now, if you, if you can just imagine with me, you just see her cute little face over my shoulder. And for some reason, whenever I see my daughter, no matter how tall or older she gets, all I see is that little girl. And so now fast forward five years. And when I see her, I just think to myself, man, where has Tom gone? You know, bringing her home from the hospital just seemed, it doesn't seem like it was that, 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 you know, that long ago. But yet now she's five, um, she's, she has her own opinions, some which differ from her father's, we're working on that. Um, we have, we know, sometimes, you know, I get, you know, I try to be a good leader and try to lead her, but sometimes she ends up leading me, we're working on that as well. Um, but all in all, all I think to myself is, man, you know, even though day in, day out, I get up and I see my child, it's still, I still question, you know, Lord, yes, I know that there's signs in this process. And yes, God, I know that, you know, people grow and people change. But Lord, it's just so hard for me to imagine that when she goes to sleep and she gets up, she's taller, she's bigger, she's wiser, she's smarter. And yet that's kind of the that's kind of a parallel of something that we're talking about today, which is spiritual maturity in the story that, we're, uh, that we just read. Um, to kind of put it all in context and to make sure that I'm bridging two stories that are sort basically related. Um, you know, Brother Jeff, the last time he talked, he preached a sermon two weeks ago called A Heart Condition. If you have not heard it, I would trust that you go back and read it. And it was based on Mark chapter 4, verses 1 through 24, where it talked about the sower and the soils. Right. There was there were four different types of soils that the, that the farmer or the sower was trying to disperse his seed upon. And the story basically goes like this. I'll give you the short and simple rundown. Um, Jesus was telling this parable to um, to the, to these men. Right. And so he talks about the fact that the farmer simply broadcast the seed. It was like as if he just had a bag of endless seed and he just broadcast and broadcast the seed. But then the seed falls on different types of soil. Right. Um, first of all, he, he mentioned that when he, when he broadcasts a seed, it, sometimes it falls on hard soil, right? And we know that that soil usually alludes to this idea of it falling by the road. And this is that, that the birds of the air come and pick it up. Like it doesn't even have a time to even be sat in the ground and it just, the seed is taken away. And keep in mind, in the parable of the soil and the soils, the seed is equal to the word of God and the ground is equal to man's heart, all right? Is everybody still with me? And so as the seed is broadcast, the, the sower or the farmer takes it, broadcast from the ground, falls by the road. The road is just like the hard heart. That's the one where Satan just, like before the words even have a chance to take root, Satan takes it, plucks it, takes it away so it doesn't even have an effect. Then you also have the shallow heart. And for this one, it's, it falls into some soil, but it's right among the rocky turf. Right. So even though the soil kind of gets within some some type of it, I mean, although the seed gets in some type of soil, it finds itself still among a place where it can't quite grow because it's, it's, it's in a sh very shallow place. And Brother Jeff, when he preached this, he related this to having a very emotional response response to God's word where, you know, at first you come down the aisle, you're crying, you're, you're, you know, you're, you're sucked in and you're just like, oh God, I need you, I need you. And then as the weeks and the months wane by, then you find yourself not being as excited as you were. You know, you were ready to come to church, you showed up, you had your Bible, you bought your first Bible, right? Well, then as time goes on, you're not excited, you're not excited, and next thing you know, you're out of there, right? Well, then he also gets to the point where he talks about the crowded heart where the farmer, again, is dispersing seeds and it falls amongst the thorns and the thistles, right? It carries the idea that along this, I mean, with the seed is being scattered and taking root among the weeds. 
It's this idea that you have competing passions and desires that are choking out the Word of God because it's not, because it's not taking root and being in um, productive soil along, I mean, by itself. It's being choked out by weeds. And then lastly, he talks about the good soil in the, I mean, in the, in the heart that's ready to receive and to be changed by, uh, to bear fruit and be changed by Jesus. You see, at the end of the parable, Jesus makes it very clear at the end of that parable that those who, those who are, who are, who are, who have ears, he wants them to hear. And notice that when Jesus, I mean, when he mentions this parable, he doesn't say, I plant, I give one to you, I give one to you, I give one to you. He, he's, he cast it out, hoping that any, it would take root anywhere and it would begin to grow out. Right? So we can't be selective in how we share God's word and God's gospel. We need to share with everyone. But now, after spending that time focusing on the person who hears God's word, now he's turning his attention to the one who shares God's word. You see, the hearer of the word of God has a responsibility. They have the responsibility to take heed of the word that they hear, and they begin to, and they begin to live it, walk it, and share with other people. But we, as people who share God's word, we also have a responsibility. We have a responsibility to share God's word to anyone who would come by. But now remember, there are checks and balances with this thing. Although God gives us the responsibility of sharing his gospel and telling anyone who would hear, there are checks and balances. There are things that we do as believers and, and as mature Christians, and there are things that we can't do that only God can do. And so what I want to do is I want to spend my time talking about some of that checks and balances that God has in his kingdom when it comes to sharing his word. You see, God allows us to participate in the changing of hearts, but he is the one who actually changes the heart. And so with that being shared as a truth, Jesus shares two parables, which I'm going to talk about today. And that is, first of all, starting with the parable of the seed. And see, the parable of the seed is only found in the book, excuse me, in the book of Mark. And so what we want to do is I believe that there is in this particular parable, there's an encouragement to those who follow Jesus and share the, I mean, and share his word with all they know. From this small parable, I think that Jesus teaches us a lot about what it means for spiritual growth in God's kingdom. And so if you're with me, everyone look again at verse 27. Um, if we want to start, let's just read in verse 26. It says, and the kingdom of God is like a man who casts a seed upon the soil. Notice that Jesus going back essentially to the same example and kind of using it in more of a context, right? Um, and so he says, and he goes to bed at night and he gets up by day and the seed, he's, and the seed sprouts and grows how he himself does not know. And so that brings about this first lesson about spiritual growth. The first thing we know about spiritual growth is spiritual growth in some ways is mysterious. Spiritual growth is mysterious. You see, the man the parable simply cast out the seed, right? And he goes to bed. And when he wakes up, the seed has sprouted. It's taken root somewhere. It's growing up. But now, yeah, he may know that there's some science behind it, but does he exactly know that how this small seed becomes everything that he imagined? No, he does not, right? And so that leads us to think about a couple of things when it comes to spiritual growth and the idea of it being mysterious. The first thing we need to realize as we look at spiritual growth when it comes to working and trying to change other believers, number one, there are things that we do not know. There are things that we do not know. 
You see, in the farm, you see, when the farmer casts a seed, he knows there's a process. He knows that there's something. He knows that the seed is the element. He knows that it takes, requires water. He knows it requires soil. He knows all these things. But he can't exactly understand why such a small seed has such that potential to reproduce and multiply. You see, in the same way spiritual growth, we know what's required, but yet it takes faith. When we share the word of God, when we share the gospel, we're sharing something and we don't know how it's going to return. Now, our prayer and our hope is that it returns with somebody coming to, coming to faith in Jesus and, taking, and letting that take root in their lives and changing their lives forever, but we don't know. And keep in mind, also, we're probably not the only people who are imparting into people when we're sharing the gospel. You see, <clears throat> excuse me, you see, in the, you see, all the way, I mean, it takes faith. And sometimes we get kind of bogged down with this idea that something takes faith. Takes faith. And here's what I mean by that. We infatuate, we infatuate ourselves with the unknown instead of concentrating on what we know and what we see. We concentrate, we infatuate ourselves on the things we just don't know, and we obsess and we worry. But here's the reality. God says, listen, cast a seed. Share what you know. Share what you, know what you see. Don't be worried necessarily about what you don't know. We can learn that, but don't be bogged down by the fact of the, of the unknown. Here's one of those ways I can kind of, I can, the, the best way I can explain is in a story. Um, I once watched a video where um, a very famous comedian, Kevin Hart, was having, an, was having an interview with Oprah Winfrey. Don't judge me because I watched Oprah Winfrey, just listen to my story, all right? Um, now, Kevin Hart, who's this very famous comedian, actor, um, really big right now in, in a, lot of, a lot of comedy circles and all that. He tells this story about how when he was a struggling comic and one of the biggest things he needed was to, for somebody to help support him while this comedy dream. If some of you guys are familiar with comedians, they don't make a whole lot coming out the gate, right? It's just you sharing your craft, people laugh, and maybe, maybe, just maybe you get some money, possibly, right? Well, he, gave, well, he told his mom that this was his dream. Now, his mom didn't want to be a dream killer. And so his mom said, listen, I'll tell you what, Kevin, I'm going to give you one year to make this thing work. One year. I'm going to support you. I am going to make sure that you're fine for one year while you chase this dream. And after that, if you have that, you need to, if, you does, if nothing happens, you need to give it up. You need to go find something, do with your career, find a career and do something different, right? And so he says, and so his, and so he says great. So then, you know, he's, he's, he's going to comedy clubs. He's making, all, he's making this headway with people. He's celebrating. I mean, he's doing all these different things. He's getting to know people. He's making connections. Well, then about six months in, um, the inevitable happens. He has an apartment and rent is due. Well, he calls his mom, who said that he would support him, right? And his mom, and he calls his mom and says, hey, mom, listen, I'm about to be evicted from my house. I need, you know, you said you were going to support me with this. I need you to bring me, I need you to give me some money so I can keep, I can stay in my house, right? in my apartment, right? Well, she says, well, she asked him a simple question. She said, um, baby, have you read your Bible? And he says, no, I have not read my Bible, right? He's like, well, I'll tell you what, you read your Bible, and then you, and then you come back and call me, and we'll talk about it, all right? Okay. Well, then a couple of weeks had gone on. He's still busy. He's still making leeway. He's still having headway. Well, then he comes back, and now he's starting to get eviction notices on his, on his door. We well, call his mom. He said, Mom, listen, Mom, I, I, I'm, you know, hey, listen, I am about to get kicked out. I got eviction letters on my door. I need some money so I can keep staying in this apartment, right? Well, his mom says, well, son, have you, have you read your Bible? And he says, Mom, Mom, I'm about, to, I'm about to be evicted out of my apartment. I need you to give me checks. I don't need talk right now. I don't need to read. I need checks. I need to stay in this apartment, right? Well, then a couple of more weeks go on. Well, then he called me like, listen, now, Mom, I know what you're going to say, but Mom, 
I need money. I'm about to be a homeless comic, okay? I'm about to be homeless. I need money, right? Well, then again, she says, well, did you read your Bible? You know what? And then he says, mom, you know what? I don't even have time for this. And so he hung up the phone and closed it and said, and finally he decided that he would go and he would just go and read his Bible, right? Well, lo and behold, when he reads his Bible, he sees six months worth of rent. Checks tucked in his Bible. Now, here's the thing. Kevin was infatuated with the fact that at that moment there was a crisis and he didn't know how he was going to fix it except for the money, right? What he didn't know is that God had already solved this problem. The money was there, right? And here's the thing. And so what am I saying, guys? Sometimes we get infatuated with things that we can't understand and things we don't see. And sometimes God is asking us to simply look to him look to his word, and he'll provide. Do you know the whole, do you know everything? No, you don't. But do you know some things? Yes, that God will take care of you, all right? And so, moving forward, there are things, once again, that, and then, so not only is there knowledge that we don't know, there's things that we can't control. You see, it says in the scripture, in, 20, in verse 27, I mean, in verse 28, it says that the soil produces crops by itself. All right, it produces crops by itself, which means that with this idea of a person having knowledge, there also comes this idea of control. You see, there's two things we have to understand about our spiritual growth. We don't have all the knowledge and we are not in control. All right, we don't have all the knowledge and we are not in control. You see, the man works to gain the knowledge and the next thing he perceives is that he needs to gain control. And that's a lot of times why we, why we spend a lot of our times when people will hoard knowledge for themselves and not share with anybody else because they assume that because they have this knowledge, they have a power or a control. Well, God is telling us, even in the sharing of his gospel, we may have some knowledge, but we are not in control of the growth. You see, not only do we, know, we do not know how the seed grows, we can't make it grow either. You see, the reason many of us are unable to have a true relationship with God is for maybe for a myriad of reasons, maybe some history of something that you've experienced, but more than anything, we can't allow God to do his work because we don't want to relinquish control. We don't want to relinquish control. You see, we say things like, God send me, I'll go, but not there. We say, I'll do anything, just not that right? We say, I'll tell anyone, but not them over there, right? So we found ourselves in situations where we want to make deals with God on how we should interact, how we should carry out our faith, and how we should share what God has given us, even though he give, he's given that to us liberally, right? Remember, in the parable, he spreads the seed liberally. He didn't just say, you know what, ignore the rocks, just throw over here. He says, everywhere gets it, in the hopes that someone would hear, right? You see, for those of us who have trouble letting go of control, there are free, three, and I'm sorry, not three, four very freeing words that you can use that will help you get over your control. I trust you, God. You see, many of us, we're afraid that God is going to make us do something we don't want to do. And you know what? He's God. He can do that, right? For some of us, God has been gnawing at you, telling you what you need to do, but you're afraid to accept that because you know you're no longer in control. Well, I'm telling you that God wants you to relinquish that control. Because remember, when you fell at the altar, when you prayed, you said, God, I give you all of me. That includes your intentions. God doesn't check our intentions and go, you know, Reggie, are you okay with going down the street? I mean, because I don't want to send you down there if you don't feel like it's safe enough for you. 
right? He doesn't do that with me, right? He says, hey, Reggie, go down the street, right? And hey, the rest, he, listen, now, th- does he have our back? Yes, he does. But does he tell you every single detail at that moment? Probably not, right? When he tells you these things, he just says, go, right? And that's the type of mentality you need to have. If you're a person who enjoys the control, you need to be okay with trusting God alone in everything you do. You have to be. You can't say, I surrender without giving up control. There's no way to say, Lord, I surrender without giving up some control. And so here's some practical advice for people who, um, for people, I mean, for people to understand about the mysteriousness, the, the mysteriousness of God's spiritual growth. You see, you can't be Jesus in a person's life, but you can't lead them to Jesus, right? Like there, there may be times where you kind of step somebody along, you're with them a lot, and yeah, you want to be a person who keeps pointing and pointing and pointing to Jesus, but ultimately realize you are not their savior. Jesus is. You don't want to be the person who hoards their time and you're check- they're checking all their decisions through you. Because listen, God is asking you to, take, to point them in his direction so that he can lead them, not for you to lead them. And maybe, maybe just maybe you check in with him every now and then, okay? Um, you, may know, you, may, you may not know everything, but you can share what you know. Don't be afraid to share your faith, even though you may not know everything. There are people who are out there who are very argumentative. They have some good points. And sometimes people just stand on their arguments because they sound confident. Sometimes it's not even really true. So stand on the confidence of God's word that you have. Um, And lastly, you may not know what other people, I mean, God uses various means to make men aware of him. You may not know what other means he's employing, but that does not mean that you can't be a part of what he's doing. The best way to describe this is in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, starting at verse 6. You have the Corinthians who Paul is writing this letter to, and basically the Corinthians are people who are, you know, they got saved, but they ain't there yet, okay? They're not quite all there yet, right? So people are going, hey, we're of Paul, and hey, we're of Apollos, right? Well, Paul's dispelling the myth and like, listen, yeah, when I came down, I preached to all of you. Some of y'all didn't listen, but then Apollos came. He preached. Some of y'all listened. That's fine, right? But here's the thing. He makes, it, he makes a real clear point. He says, listen, I came and I planted. Apollos watered, but God made it grow. He makes it really clear that, hey, yeah, whether you heard it from Paul or Apollos, that's neither here or there. The reality is, did you get it? Did you get saved? That is the point, okay? You don't know what people have heard before you. You don't know what people are going to hear after you. But God puts you in people's lives in moments so that they can hear from you right now. So don't be, con- don't be concerned with all, all the rest. Just share what the Lord tells you right at that moment. And if God gives you more opportunities to share, then do so. But don't be worried about all the rest of the moments. Another thing you got to know is in verse 28, let's read it really quick. It says, the, source, the soil produces crops by itself. In the, I mean, it says the first blade, then the head, then the mature grain in the head. But when the crop permits, it immediately puts it in the circle because the harvest has come. One of the second things we got to know, first of all, we had to know that God's spiritual growth is mysterious. The, same, the second thing we need to know is that God's spiritual growth takes time. Spiritual growth takes time. You see, when a seed grows, it doesn't just spring up and come out and just say, hey, I'm ready to be plucked, right? It takes time for it to grow. You see, but here's the thing. Our culture is not geared to be a patient culture now, is it, right? How many of you guys like home-cooked meals? How many of you are like, eh, I don't have no time to cook one? Oh, it's okay. You can raise your hands. I'm just going to ask and invite myself over to your house for dinner later on. That's all. Okay. Um, but, but remember, so a lot of us like home-cooked meals, but a lot of us don't want to take the time to prepare them. 
A lot of us want success in things, but we don't want to wait until we have it. We'd rather have all those things that come with success right now. And think about this, and this is for a younger, I'm not sure if this is probably for the older generation or younger. How many of you guys remember what it was like to have internet, like in the 1990s, right? Okay, remember you got a CD in the mail from AOL, right? You put in your CD, you install, and then when you get it all working, you connect your, your phone because there was no such thing as anything like DSL and all that, right? And so you put it in there and you hear, um, for those of you on the website who hear this podcast, there is nothing wrong with my mic. It is me simply making sounds like the old computers used to do. But, um, but yeah, but you find yourself in a situation, right, where you're sitting there, you can go and get a cup of coffee, you can go and make, do laundry and stuff, and when you come back, maybe just maybe you're on AOL.com, right? And then, God forbid, you click to a page that has tons of videos and pictures, right? You've just messed up your whole entire day, right? So, but the whole point is, guys, we're in a consumer culture now where everything is fast, go, 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 right? But now here's the problem. Jesus tells us that growth comes in phases. In verse 28, he says, first, it starts off as a sprout, right? It starts out sprouting as a blade, then a head, and then the mature grain. Well, here's the thing. When I see that, when I see those, those phases, I think of like when he says the blade, I think about a new Christian who just, who just began to walk with Jesus, somebody who hasn't um, who hasn't exactly necessarily all the way taken root in what, G in what God is offering, right? They're trying out things. They're finally coming to church. They finally decided to sit through one instead of sleep through one, right? They decided that maybe, just maybe, I'll try to pray tonight because maybe, just maybe, there'll be something happening, right? Um, and so you find yourself in this newborn stage, but then you move on to this point where you begin to grow a little bit. Now you come to church because, hey, it's enjoyable and you're learning a lot. Then you start asking a ton of questions because now you're curious about the Word of God and what it has to say about certain things. And then then all of a sudden you move into the point where you're a mature grain. Now you're not just coming to church just because you have to or some, because somebody made you. You're coming to church now because you want to grow, because now you're praying, you're, you're reading your Bible, you're worshiping God, you're serving, and nobody has to pull your leg and make you, make you serve, right, because you love Jesus, right? And so we see with this thing, we see with this thing of maturity and spiritual growth, it takes time, right? So here's some practical advice for you as you try to look to take time. First of all, you need to trade in your stopwatches for calendars. You need to trade in your stopwatches for calendars. A lot of times what we like to do is, even when we're leading somebody along in discipleship, we go, okay, do you got these tenants? Do you have this catechism? Do you have this? Okay, okay, good. We can put them somewhere and do something with them now, right? Well, here's the reality. If God, if this not getting deep into their heart, having just that knowledge is just not enough. We need the Word of God to take root in their heart, begin to see change in their lives. We need to see them as God sees them, right? We need to be able to see that God is working in their lives and, it's, and, and they're beginning to change their ways and what they do. You see, think about this, guys. How many of you guys have been at work? You got there, let's say you got there by 8 o'clock. You start doing some, checking some emails and doing stuff, and you start thinking to yourself as it gets to be about 8.45, you go, man, you know, Time sure is going by pretty slow. You ever, you ever felt like that before when you sit at work and time feel like it's going by pretty slow? Well, then, you know, you do a couple more things and you think, oh, man, you know, man, okay, I'm, I'm getting started, I'm getting going. You look around at your clock, it's only 9.30. You thought it was going to be about 12 o'clock when you looked up, but it's only 9.30, right? But then there are days when you're so, so busy that when you come in the office, it's all a blur. You just choo, 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 right? And then all of a sudden, you look around, you're like, man, it's 1 o'clock. Man, it's almost, you know, the day is almost over, right? Well, you gotta ask yourself the question, what's the difference between when we, when we come in and we're looking like, man, it feels like time is creeping by, and when time flies by, what's the difference? 
the difference is what you're paying attention to. You see, if you're paying attention, if you're paying attention to the clock, then what you're doing is like a task and a chore, and it's and it's and it time doesn't pass by as fast. But here's but here's the thing, time is still going. Time is not slowed down. It's not a Joshua sun stand still situation. It's just that now because you're focusing more on how much time it's taking, more so than the task at hand, that's where we get into trouble. If we spend more time focusing on the fact that this person is in my life for a reason, God wants me to share all I can with them for as much time as I have with them, the time seems to fly by. But when you spend all your time focused on, okay, I got in the hour, gotta go, ha ha, bye, see you later, you know, then guess what? All you focus on is like, man, God, why hasn't the person changed? I done met with them two times. Why have they not gotten saved? You know, well, it's because you're not focused. You're focused more on the doing aspect rather than focusing on the heart change aspect. And that's what you don't want to be focused on. You see, don't count discipleship success as quantity. Count it in quality. Now, that can be controversial at times. But now what you want, you want people of quality. Now, if the quantity comes, amen, praise God, we'll take it, right? But more than anything, we need to be consumed with this quality, making sure that people under, not just know the word of God because they've heard you repeat it enough times, but that they know and understand the word of God because it's taken root in their lives. The Holy Spirit has worked on them and has changed them for the better. And to leave you, and to leave you from this point, I want to say something with you from Dr. John Stott. He says, God has only committed us to preach the gospel to all nations. The results belong to him. The results belong to God. So no matter what we do, it still is a matter. And don't get me wrong, I don't want to make people understand. I am not saying this idea of, oh, you just do something and then, listen, because when you hear my next point, you'll get the rest of my, you'll get the rest of my, um, the gist of what I'm saying. But what I'm saying is this, listen, while you're there in a person's life, let God use you. But when it's time, but listen, we don't be consumed with, oh, I got 10,000 people coming. Amen. If they come, they come, Right. But I mean, but you even saw in the last parable that Brother Jeff talked about, Jesus was not consumed with all the numbers, was he? In fact, he was used to cutting them down, wasn't he? <laughs> he was used to cutting down numbers, right? And so, but we want to be consumed with making sure that we have quality believers more so than the quantity of people who show up and sit in the pews. Amen? Um, third, the third point. So we've already talked about spiritual growth being mysterious. We also talked about spiritual growth, um, spiritual growth taking time. Last point, spiritual growth produces fruit. You see, when, when the crop permits, it doesn't just, it's not just a blanket statement. You see in verse 29, it says the crop permits, but he immediately puts out the sickle and because, I mean, because the harvest has come. But it's not this statement of, oh, you know, the crop just permitted and it's just, it's just something happened. It's this fact that we know that it takes a process to see the fruit of a crop, right? We know that sometimes everything we, I mean, it, it just knows, I'm sorry, let me get tired tongue here. What we know is, is that just because the fruit is there doesn't mean that nothing went on to get there. Amen? You see, because perhaps like, a, like, like grain, what it does, it, it often lies long along the side. It, it just sits there, right, in the earth, right? There's no sign of life. Then all of a sudden, there's a tender grain, right? And listen, just like we do, it needs tender love and care. It needs water. It needs all those things so it can grow. And the same thing happens to us. You see, because the word of God takes root in our heart, but there are often elements that can aid in its, I mean, in its growth or its destruction. You see, the heart needs instruction, it needs teaching, it needs prayer, it needs friendly counsel, it needs people to come alongside and be encouraging so that it can grow and become the, I mean, it can grow and, have, and give fruit to its fullest potential. 
but like the grain also in due time, I mean, it'll grow strong. But sometimes if we look at how grain grows, we also see that when it's in the ground, it's not just been sitting in the ground and had this perfect process because sometimes the winter comes, the frost comes, right? The birds, the hot sun comes and scorches it, right? So it's been through some things, but now the final product is still a healthy grain that grows up, but it has been through a process. And so, like the grain, we'll be strong and we'll produce the appropriate fruit, but it takes time and it takes endurance. You see, once it's time to harvest, the farmer takes the sickle to the grain and now, because now it's fit for use. And that is what God does to us. As we're growing in spiritual maturity, God doesn't just see us and say, all right, grow up and that's it. God allows us to go through things just like that grain is on the ground, it's being touched by frost and sun and scorching sun and all these different elements, God allows us to go through a process. But now here's the thing, when we go through that process at the very end, it's something that God can use. And that's what we want. We want God to be able to use us. But now you heard me say earlier that there's a point where God tries, when, as we grow, various things can happen to us, right? We can have parts of our spiritual growth that can either aid in its growth or aid in its destruction. And so that could be, and that could be that the frost and all those different things, it needs shelter as well. We know that, that frost and all those things can have a negative effect on the grain, right? And so what can, what can we point to that can probably be stunt spiritual growth? We can look at things like bad and confusing doctrines. Worldly influences, things that choke out the Word of God. When they hear, people hear you going to church or studying the Word of God, they say, why do you believe in that, right? Those type of influences. You look at things like hypocrisy, meaning people, about, people who supposedly love God tell you about Him, but then you see something different working out in their lives. And then you also th see things like incorrect worldview. These are all things that can choke out and put frostbite and put extreme sun onto um, something, I mean, someone trying to grow in spiritual growth in Christ. But now the spiritual growth of, of the hearer of God, I mean, of the hearer of God's word is vital to God and his kingdom work. He wants you and others to join in on the work because he is trying to accomplish something great through us. And this is beautifully illustrated through the final parable of the chapter, the parable of the mustard seed. Now, as we read it, we see that Jesus asked this question. He tells them through, a, through the parable, and keep in mind that the parable is a, an earth, a, a sto a earthly story with a heavenly meaning. We see that Jesus tells a story. He says there, that there is a, I mean, that it's like the kingdom of God is like a mustard seed in which when it's sown upon the soil, through, I mean, through the soil, though it is smaller than the seeds that are upon the soil, yet when it's grown up, it becomes larger than all the garden plants. It becomes larger than all the garden plants. And then it towers over them, and, it, and, and then, then the birds of the air are able to um, nest in and sit under its shade. So we find ourselves, we see, we see that from this idea of spiritual growth that, once again, it's mysterious. Number three, I mean, number two, there's time that it takes to grow. And then thirdly, we see that God is calling us to grow so that we're able, so calling us to grow so that we're able to help others grow. And when we scatter the seed of the gospel, God is not doing that in some very, in some very um, spasmodic way. He's doing it in a way because he wants to be intentional about everybody coming to know who he is. You were grown to serve. And here's the point I was trying to make about the mustard seed. The mustard seed starts off as one of the smallest seeds. In fact, the Jew, this is probably one of the smallest seeds that Jewish people would even interact with in that day when it came to farming. But yet, even though it was the smallest seed, 
it yield one of the bigger plants that people would see in a garden, right? And so I think, that is a, I think that is something that's perfectly pictured to who we are. You see, when we look at each other, when we look at how God is working in our lives, we may think of ourselves as being, when it compared to God, as insignificant, as not having any value, as not really being worth the time. But yet God sees something small, and he takes something small, and he uses it to accomplish something that's bigger than, than itself, right? And it isn't just to take something just for the sake of it. He does it because he wants the world to see that we're different. He wants the world to see that when, when he gives us this opportunity to grow, he's doing something miraculous, something amazing in our lives, right? And so God, in so when we grow, when God uses us to, in growth, what he's trying to do is he's trying to increase his kingdom, enlarge his kingdom, and cause growth so that, and strengthen the kingdom for service. Because just like the mustard seed, even though it starts off small and becomes a big tree, it is also one of, a, a mustard seed is also used for various herbs and spices. It's used for various uses. So we want to be people who God calls and, and molds and shapes and, and makes so that they're great servants for the kingdom. Amen? And nothing I think better proves that than my final point. You guys can go ahead and stand. I'm finished. I'm finished. Um, you know, in the last few years, I was reminded of the idea of all these different principles and how God works in our lives through the life of the, through the life and relationship of somebody or with somebody I have in this church. Um, although I had been through the discipleship process and I had been, I had walked with, uh, you know, a few people through it, you know, as I was working with this person, it just reminded me all over again about the importance of what it means to follow God's will and not get caught up in what I want to happen. And that happened with my, one of my best friends in this church, Mandel Russell. You see, when, Mandel, when me and Mandel first met, the first time he came to the church, and I hope he's okay with me saying all these things. If not, then y'all just tell him when he comes back, okay? Um, but um, when we first met, um, he didn't want to talk to me. <laughs> he did not want to talk to me. Um, in fact, um, I remember they would sit over here, him and the whole family would sit right where they're kind of sitting right now. And then like I would make a beeline to go and shake his hand and he would be trying to speed out. I'm like, Bill, let's go, let's go, let's go. I could, now he didn't know I could read his lips, but it was clear he was saying, Bill, let's go. The car, the car, Bill, the car, right? And so I would go to, hey man, how's it going? He'd be like, oh yeah, man, I'm all right, man. And I was like, hey man, listen, glad you're coming, man. Listen, would love to get a chance to talk, if I could, you know, talk to you a little bit more and hang out and, you know, shoot the breeze and hopefully talk about God's word. Like, all right, yeah, we're going to do it one day. All right. And so, you know, some time passed and then eventually, you know, he started, I invited him to come and we, we would come on Thursday nights and do Bible study together. Well, then he would come sometimes, <laughs> maybe. Um, and then he would sometimes come and you know, I'd have this session with them, and I would think to myself, okay, God, I'm, I'm here. I'm trying, Lord, <laughs> you know, because there was still a lot of life change left, right? There was still a lot, a, lot, a lot of things left to be desired for him to change, right? Well, as time went on, I got discouraged, and I wondered, Lord, am I, am I doing the right thing? Is, is this worth it? Is this even, you know, like, God, am I, am I just doing too much, or is this, you know, am I doing something? I mean, and, and listen, if you haven't had that thought when you've met with somebody, then you've probably not met with anybody, probably. Um, but, um, but, but here's the reality. As we met, what, what I didn't notice, because I was too busy griping about, Lord, he ain't, you know, he ain't set the world on fire yet, was that slowly, slowly, but surely, he was growing. He was growing little by little. Now, did I see it at every point? No, I didn't. 
there were other men, there were other people that I didn't know were meeting that were imparting to his life. He was coming to service, learning worship, doing all these different things. And lo and behold, the man that you know stands over there, right? But keep in mind, I had to put my, I had to put, I had to put my own intentions and stuff behind myself. And I had to work and say, God, this is somebody who you want me to meet with. Do what you will with me so that you can get him wherever he needs to be for your glory. And so spiritual growth is not something that you give them a few things and you set, you set them loose. Spiritual growth is something that you're walking with people for a long time. And so I encourage you, if you have not walked with somebody in the, in the midst of spiritual growth, and when I say this, I mean the context of discipleship, I encourage you to do so. But now for you to be able to disciple somebody else and really work on this idea of spiritual growth, you have to be a follower of Jesus. You see, Jesus calls us, first of all, to take up our cross and follow him. And so then once we take up our cross and follow him, hopefully people, even if they're following after us, they're following after Jesus, hopefully, right? And so my prayer for all of you is that you would follow God, that you won't take lightly this idea of discipleship and, and spiritual growth, because we all have a long road. You know, some of us, we're not who God calls to be. In fact, none of us are yet. But you know, here's the beauty of life, though. You're going to spend the rest of your life becoming exactly what God wants you to be, right? Even the best of you guys, you think right now, you know, like, oh, wow, that person, they do that. Well, listen, they're not what God wants them to be. That's the truth, guys. But now to get there, you got to start somewhere. And that starts with being that seed, being that small seed that was cast out in the hopes that you, would, that the you as the soil would take it in and let it take root in your heart, your soil, and grow up to be a mature believer in Christ. Amen? Now let's pray. Dear Lord, thank you for this day. Thank you for this time that we've had, God, to explore your word. Um, God, I'm so thankful, God, that even when I lose my place, God, you still have the hearts of people. And so, God, I pray that, God, that, you've, um, that you take this sermon, God, that you work it in our lives. God, remind us of the importance of spiritual maturity, the importance of spiritual growth, and how, God, as we walk with other people, and even as we ourselves grow, that we would see, that we would see you, that we would see ourselves, God, and recognize that, God, we're not all there. We've never arrived that we're already, but not yet. We've already been saved. God, you've saved us, God. You've given us this place in your kingdom, God, because we've accepted your son's atonement, God, for, the, for, the, for sins. But God, although our destination has already been set, God, there is, there is work to be done. There's sanctification to take place in the meantime. And so, Lord, I pray, God, that you will work with each one of our hearts, God, and grow us to maturity, God, whatever that looks like in that, in that person's life, no matter where they are, and help them to see, God, that God, outside of our agendas, outside of our intentions, God, you have the best plan for us. It's your will. And you take us, the insignificant seed, the mustard seed, and you grow us, God, so that we can become a major impact for your kingdom. Now, God, that's not done because of who we are. That's done because of who you are. And so, God, I pray that everybody in this room, God, if they have not prayed this prayer, God, that they would pray the prayer, God, that God, I am, God, I'm a sinner. God, I have not trusted in you. I have not used your word as my standard. I have not accepted you as my Lord and Savior. But God, now I know, God, that I need you to live, survive, breathe. It's because of you that I'm here, God. And yet, God, I want you to take my life, and I want you to make it what you want. God, I relinquish control. I take my hand off the steering wheel. I even pull my hand off, of the, off the steering column, God, because, God, it is you who controls what I do. Wherever you want to send me, send me, Lord. Whatever you want me to do, let me do it, Lord. Whoever you want me to talk to and interact with, Lord, 
even if they bother me highly, God, allow me, God, to work. Allow me to do it, God, knowing that ultimately you get glory and it's you who does the changing of the heart. And God, we, we pray that we would do this not to ourselves, but to you being the glory. In, a, in Jesus' name, amen.